Hello, this is Eric Bryant, pastor at Gateway Church in South Austin. If you want more resources, including the notes from this message, go to ericbryant.org. Or to find out more about our community, go to gatewaychurch.com south. Our words can make a difference in someone's life. That's what this series has been about. How God uses people to make a difference in the lives of people. Have you ever realized that God is at work behind the scenes drawing people to himself? Maybe you've even wondered about all the people that aren't growing up in the same context, don't hear about Jesus quite as often. Well, Jesus said this, talking about his coming death on the cross. He said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. See, this moment in history when he gave his life, it was giving his life for all nations. And his spirit is at work drawing people from every nation to himself. God is all over the world. Did you know that the church is growing fastest in some of the places you might not expect? In places like Afghanistan and Iran and in China. Just this past week, I read about how in the midst of the coronavirus, it's actually opened a door for people of faith. There are Chinese Christians who have been oppressed because of their faith, but now all of a sudden, everyone's wearing masks. And so they can go about freely and serving people and sharing about the love of Jesus without being identified. And so they're going into the places that everybody else is fleeing to demonstrate the love of Jesus. See, God is everywhere, loving people back to himself. I could tell you so many stories. We just heard three of people who are part of Gateway whose experience connecting with God could inspire us. There's also a story of a woman named Ramya who grew up in India, always wished that she could know God. She had heard stories of many different gods, but was always left confused. And so she began to wonder, is there possibly a God I could know? Within a few days, a friend of hers began sharing with her about her new faith in Jesus. Soon Ramya was having dreams about a brilliant man of light, realizing that Jesus was appearing in her sleep that she might find him. Now she follows Jesus and is a part of Gateway. Or Mary, who was a practicing Buddhist, grew up here in America, even from Austin, and she didn't really know much about Jesus, yet one day in the midst of Buddhist meditation, she's trying to picture a Buddha, but then Jesus popped into her mind. Along with the thought, if I'm going to be truly open-minded, I need to be open-minded about Jesus. So she started coming to Gateway to pursue this possibility that there may be more to Jesus than, than what she could imagine. Now she follows him. See, God is at work. And as we discussed last week, that if you will trust him, follow those promptings, that you can be a part of his work, part of the adventure that he calls us to be a part of. There's a story in the scriptures of a man who came to be known as the Apostle Paul. But before he became this church planter, this writer of what is now much of the New Testament, he was a very zealous Pharisee who thought Jesus was a sorcerer at best and 
that Jesus was leading the Jewish people astray. He did not believe he was a Messiah. You see, a Pharisee was a particular form of Jew, a very strict person in his faith. And so he would go around traveling around, arresting people, even killing Christians, thinking he was doing the right thing, protecting his people from these heretics. But then Paul has an encounter, much like the people we've been talking about who've had near-death experiences. Listen to this. In Acts 22, he recounts the story. A very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus and there you'll be told everything you are to do. The story tells us he's no longer able to see and so he goes into the city. See, this God of light, who Paul does not recognize at, per, at first, but he knows it's God, turns out to be Jesus, which surprises him. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't tell him that he needs to reform his beliefs. He doesn't tell him what he needs to stop doing or start doing. It's strange, isn't it? I mean, he could have done that. But even as we've heard some of these stories of people who had near-death experiences, it seems to be that Jesus is not trying to get them to change what they believe in that moment. Something he could absolutely do. But see, what happens in his story and the stories of so many others, maybe even in your story, is that God uses other people to share the good news about God's love. So you can't have a, a healthy relationship with God unless you also have healthy relationships with other people. They're intrinsically connected. See, you and I are invited to be a part of this adventure, to, to be willing enough, loving enough that we overcome our fear of what others might say in order to love them, to serve them, and to have a conversation with them. So God prompts Ananias, a man named Ananias, to go share the good news about Jesus with Paul. Now, if you can imagine in this moment, all Ananias knows at this point is this angry Pharisee named Saul. He, he I'm sure, was thinking, well, Jesus, why didn't you just tell him? <laughs> I don't want to go talk to this guy. He beats people up. He arrests people. He's been there when people were killed. But he goes. He overcomes his fear. He had more love for God than he did fear of other people. And he has a conversation, some of which is recorded in Acts 22. Paul tells us that he said this, get up and be baptized. Ananias says to Paul, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. See, even in that moment, Paul had a choice. He could refuse to believe, but he chose to trust he was healed, his vision came back, and he became a messenger of God's good news around the world. Ananias was faithful to tell Paul what he knows about Jesus, challenging Paul to pray for Jesus to forgive his sins and then to be baptized, and then Paul goes on to tell others. Now, remarkably, he had this very unique background. He was a Jewish Pharisee, very devoted to the scriptures, knew a lot about the Hebrew scriptures, but he was born as a Roman citizen in a town that's now in modern-day Turkey. 
So he had this unique ability to speak to both Jews, Greeks, and Romans. And see, God has done that in your life too. You have a very unique background. You've had unique experiences, some good, some bad. And God can use who you are to make a difference in the lives of other people. There are people that will listen to you that won't listen to me. There are people that will take one of these books from you but would run away from me. You see, you are uniquely you and God can use your uniqueness to bring you into the life of other people to influence. What we discover that Paul realizes that God is at work behind the scenes with all people of all cultures. Paul goes into Lystra, a pagan idol-worshiping city, and look what he says in Acts 14. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. See, Paul discovered that that as one of those that God chose, the chosen ones, the Jewish people were blessed in order to be a blessing to all nations. He had gotten sucked into this idea that God only loves us because we believe the right things and everyone else God does not love. But that's not the story of the scriptures. See, even though God gives us free will, he is constantly at work in the lives of other people all around the world, sending signs, good gifts, provision, putting joy in hearts, wooing people with thoughts in their mind, bringing others to share the good news. See, in the lives of your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your family, people you care about, God is already at work in their life. He cares more for them than you do. And he can use you and me to bring hope and life into their life as we follow God's spirit as he guides us. I don't know if you guys knew this, but this past week, John Burke was trending on Instagram. Any of you on Instagram? So John Burke was trending. True story. What happened is uh, Sadie of Duck Dynasty uh, posted this on Instagram. Here's a picture. She says, this is going to be deep, so here's a mirror selfie by a toilet to help lighten the mood, which is, I guess, what you do, right? And then she goes on to talk about how she has this incredible fear of death. And even though she follows Jesus, that the, the idea that one day this life will come to an end or, or even in losing people she's loved, it's just overwhelming to her. She's just so afraid of death. Which, by the way, uh, toilets and death, those keep us humble, don't they? That reminds us that we're just human. And so she talks about how she began reading a book that changed her life, that opened her mind, that actually brought her a great deal of peace. And as a believer, even helped her overcome this fear. Well, when you have 2.7 million followers, you end up with lots and lots of comments. On a good day, I hope for like, you know, 15 likes and one comment. But in the midst of her thousands of comments, someone says, what's the name of the book? You can't just talk about a book that changed your life without saying what it is. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, it's Imagine Heaven by John Burke. See, this book, this tiny version that we're giving you can make a difference in people's lives. It can open their mind to the possibilities. When 
Imagine Heaven was on the New York Times bestselling list. It was then that John was invited to all these news shows and was traveling to New York quite a bit. And he was get these random emails. One of them, in fact, maybe the most random was this one from a woman named Heidi. It said this, I saw you on Megyn Kelly. I don't know who you are and have not read your book, but what you described happened to me. I grew up with atheist Jewish parents, but I always believed in God. When I died, Jesus was with me. I was surprised, but never told anyone. Thanks. A lot of details left out here, aren't there? <laughs> what happened? How did you die? If you died, then how are you able to email? <laughs> I assume you're alive again, then how did you come back to life? So many questions, and so John just emails her back and has a conversation with her and discovers that for literally decades, she's never told anyone about this near-death experience. She could never explain it to anyone without fear of them thinking she's crazy. And in the midst of conversations with John, she decides to follow Jesus. And now she's finally able and willing to tell her story. We caught a glimpse of it. I want to show you. Let's watch. I grew up in Council of Iowa in a Jewish family. The day in question, it was spring and I was 16. I brought my sisters with me out to the ranch where we boarded our horse. We were in an accident where another horse ran into my horse. She reared up, flipped over backwards with me on her back and fell across my body, breaking my pelvis, my back and crushing my chest. As she hit my chest, I immediately left my body. I was up 30, 40 feet in the air. And I saw my little sister who could see what was happening from the barn area and I saw her scream and my other sister's in the car going like this. And my only thought was, I wish my sisters didn't have to see me die. And as I was up there, this light was shining over my shoulders and it was illuminating everything in front of me. I realized there was a person standing right there and he moved forward and I knew in an instant that I had known him my entire life. He took my hand and we flew. It was like we had this wave of light under our feet pushing us forward. And it was almost as if I could see the stars go by. But I know that there were individual things as we were going faster and faster and faster. And then we seemed to cross this barrier where all things became one thing. And as we crossed that barrier, I saw a light. And it's the brightest thing you can imagine, but I could look at it. Jesus took me directly into the light. And the next thing I knew, I found myself sitting on God's lap. He was all at once my best friend and my dad. And I buried my face against his chest and I put my arms around him and he had his arms around me and I never ever wanted to leave. And I could see something infinitely far away as if it was right in front of me. And it was heaven. I could see trees and the flowers and I could see every detail. I could see every individual blade of grass. As I was sitting there, Jesus said, you have to go back, you didn't die. I did not want to go back, but he, he took my hand and this time there was no flying. We were just pow, right above my body. The instant I woke up, I knew what I had seen. And it was the most real experience I'd ever had in my life. So many of these stories of people's near-death experiences 
can't be explained by science. In fact, scientists and doctors, some very skeptical people who had experiences like this are now believers in God, followers of Jesus. And we've made this video as well as many others available. You can share them. Just go to whatsafteratx.org to do that. But if you're here and you're skeptical about God, I just want you to consider, just have an open heart and open mind. Just pick up one of those books right out the connect spot called What's After Life. Just read it. It'll take you 90 minutes. And then we'd love to have a conversation with you. Or if you're one of those that that pick some of these up for your friends, they'll be far more open to it than you could imagine. God is already at work in their life. Just this past week, Tara Browder, who was our prayer team leader, now she's the director of prayer for all of our campuses, was telling us this great story. She had been reading her book and praying about who she should give it to, and she kept thinking of this one particular woman who she always saw walking her dog. But then all of a sudden, when she was done reading the book, she didn't see her for what seemed like weeks. And so one day, she was coming home, and she was thinking of the woman, and she began to pray, God, would you help me run into this woman sometime soon? And literally right then, she walked right in front of Tara. And Tara almost literally ran into her with her car. It's not what Tara meant, you know. <laughs> she was able to avoid her and, and park, and then she got out and caught up with her. And, and she said, I, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I was reading this book, and I, and I thought of you. I don't, I don't know if you're a spiritual person, but I, I thought you might like this. And the woman looked at her and said, I better be a spiritual person. All my family is dead except for one of my daughters. So she gives her the book and it says to her, well, that's probably why you came to my mind. This book is about people who died and modern medicine resuscitated them and they came back telling of their experience of the amazing life to come. Let me know what you think. And the neighbor said, honey, can you come in right now and talk with me? She was far more open than even Tara could have imagined. Now, do you think that's just a coincidence? God, help me to run into my neighbor. And then she literally almost does. And then this neighbor that she had thought about when she was reading actually really wants this book. It can't just be a coincidence. It's more of a God incident. That God was at work. Or Rosanna who, who's helped with grief share and leads our prayer team now. She, she was telling me about how she was reading the book and, and thought of her gardener. And she was reluctant to give it to him and hadn't had a lot of meaningful conversations with him. But she walked out of her house there in Allendale and, and she handed him the book and said, I, I thought of you and thought you might like it. It's about people who've had near-death experiences. He looked at her surprised and said, While I'm mowing lawns, I'm listening to podcasts about people who've had near-death experiences. Uh, I've been fascinated with reincarnation and and what happens after we die. I'm moving this to the top of my reading list. See, the people you've already given us their name for, the people we begin to pray for, you need to know God is already at work in their life. They may be more excited to receive this book than you could even imagine. See, in this series, we've been looking at how Jesus would have meaningful conversations how he would move people forward. And what you discover is that he actually always began with the good news. The good news that God loves you and God is for you. The problem is, too many Christians have thought 
that their job was to make sure you know the bad news. In fact, too many Christians have taken on what the Pharisees would do. The Pharisees were very judgmental of everyone around them. Anyone who didn't believe the same as they did or lived the same way as them. The Pharisees of Jesus' day thought that God would have nothing to do with anyone who didn't live up to their moral standard. And so the Pharisees would actually stand up in the temple and pray things like this. Thank you, God, that I'm not like this sinful tax collector. One of those moments happened and Jesus was there. And in the midst of his intervening, it became clear that Jesus was saying that day that the tax collector had a better chance of being right with God than the Pharisee. See, the Pharisees didn't understand what their own scriptures said. Second Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God loves all peoples, all cultures. Anyone who has an open heart, open mind and says, God, reveal yourself to me, will discover the God who loves them. See, too many Christians have said, you know what, we gotta convince people of the bad news. But the problem with that is Jesus never did that. And that's what the Pharisees actually did do, and they're the ones that wanted to kill Jesus. They appointed themselves as the one to judge all others. And if you've been a victim of that, I want you to know that's not God's heart for you. In fact, you and I, we can be the antidote to that negative version of Christianity that seems to hit people over the head with the bad news. See, Jesus brought good news first, that God is for you, not against you. Now, there were times where Jesus spoke hard words, but it was always to those who were most hard-hearted. In fact, it was the most loving thing he could do. It may be the only thing that would have penetrated their heart. I mean, if you look at it, it's fascinating. 30 times Jesus spoke hard words. In the first two and a half years of his three and a half ministry, he only did that eight times, and six of them were to the Pharisees. And he'd say things like this, your hearts are hard. God wants mercy, not sacrifice. You have no compassion. But the other 22 times were after these two and a half years of loving and serving and healing and bringing good needs to all people. He saved the hard words for the persistently hard-hearted after proclaiming how good God is. See, some of us have been victims of people whose view of God is angry and threatening judgment. You and I can be the antidotes to that. So you, some people think it's their, their job to convict others of sin. But whose job is that? According to the scriptures, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of its sin. Now, I know some of you think that you're the Holy Spirit of your family. But that's not your role. You're not the Holy Spirit of where you work. You are to be God's loving ambassador and representative. We are to become more like Jesus, who healed people, who brought love and kindness. And there may be a moment where we step in and we encourage people, we challenge people to be more open, to be more willing to pursue God. And when they pursue him with a sincere heart, God will meet them. There's this remarkable story in Luke 17 of a time when Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. It says this, 
As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. This is a remarkable story because lepers lived in isolation and they were forced to stand at a distance because if a leper touched you, you were now defiled. You could not enter into the synagogue and certainly not the temple. And yet Jesus in other encounters would touch those who had leprosy. He would actually spend times with the people that the religious people would have nothing to do with. But in this case, he didn't heal them instantly. He sent them to the priests. Now, this is kind of a fascinating moment because it was the priests that would be able to declare them to be healed and able to come back into society. So here they are still covered in leprosy, still afflicted with leprosy, but they made the journey. They started walking towards the priest in faith that it wasn't a waste of time. In the midst of this journey, see what you discover is that sometimes God heals people instantly. I've seen people that we've prayed for instantly, physically healed. But sometimes healing comes in the midst of a journey. I've seen many more people healed as they went to a doctor and did the hard work of physical therapy. I've seen people emotionally and relationally healed instantly but I've seen many more healed by working through the steps, by going regularly to a counselor, by becoming intentional about growing spiritually, by serving others with others and growing with others in a group. Do you realize that God is at work, that God wants to heal? Do you realize that sometimes that healing takes place over time because he wants more than anything a relationship? We need to be willing to challenge people to take steps towards God. And when they are willing with a humble posture, not a demanding posture, God shows up. See, sometimes it's our emotional baggage that blinds us to what God is doing in our life. In this instance, these 10 lepers were healed. It tells us in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. See, not only was he healed physically, but he was healed spiritually made new, completely new, made, with, made right with God forever. God was doing things for all 10, but only one recognized that Jesus could bring healing in every part of his life. Maybe you're here and you have been skeptical about God. I wanna just ask you, do you have an open heart? Are you willing to ask God to reveal himself to you on his terms, not yours? Maybe that is your next step today. Or maybe you know there are people around you that God has brought into your life that he wants you to encourage just to give a little book to, but you've been too afraid to, to step out and do that. 
maybe you've been overwhelmed with the idea of getting 20 books. Let me just encourage you, just start with one. Just think of that one person and ask God to give you a love for that person that's bigger than your fear of how they might respond.